The text I'm reading for from is Philippians chapter 2. From Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. Who likes a challenge? Challenges can be good, can't they? You know, um, maybe you like gardening. I find keeping things alive a challenge. Um, And the clay soil around here can be quite challenging, even if you do have a green thumb. Maybe you like puzzles or crosswords or some other challenge for the mind. Perhaps you play sport and enjoy the challenge of competition. Challenges are difficult, of course. That's kind of the working definition of challenge. If they weren't difficult, they wouldn't be challenging. But despite that, how good is the success after you meet the challenge? When you get the victory. When you're on the podium with a nice big brass trophy because gold's expensive. You get the gold medal, eh? You're a winner. God presents the challenges to us in his word. It's a bit different to most challenges because most challenges involve pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and um, working hard to win the victory. But uh, the challenge God has is kind of back to front. He's already won the victory. And the challenge is to live it out. To be glorified in the kingdom of God, you don't uh, climb your way up to a podium. Rather, you climb down. You lower yourself. Um, Normally in the world, prestige leads to glory. But uh, here in the kingdom of God is humility. And the challenge of God to humble ourselves to obedience for later glory is symbolised in the cross of Christ. And the challenge is that we are called to be people of the cross. That's my sermon today, the people of the cross. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, And gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. So Christ humbled himself to the cross. Now the cross isn't just a thing to kill people with. It is a way of life. Uh, as Christ is quoted in Luke 9:23, if anyone should come after me, he should take his cross up daily and follow me. Christ isn't saying that we should kill ourselves every day. That's a bit silly. Instead, he is saying that the cross is a way of life, a daily way of life that needs to be taken up constantly. So what then is this way of life that Christ is referring to? What way of life did he humble himself to? Well, the cross was not actually thought up at the last minute. 
It wasn't just a convenience. You know, God says, okay, my son has to be sacrificed for these people and Romans like using crosses, so we'll go with that. It was, in fact, ordained from the beginning. In Ephesians chapter 1, we find that we were chosen in Christ to be adopted as sons through him since before creation. It was predestined. It was preordained. It was planned from the start because the heart of God is sacrificial love. And if there is one thing that defines God's relationships, it is sacrificial love. And the cross, it turns out, is simply the greatest expression of that love. That he would sacrifice his son so that we may also be sons. Because of the love that he has for his people. So the work of the cross is that Christ died for us. He paid the price of sin, which is death, on our behalf that we might be free from judgment. And in this he shows that he is fully God, the perfect sacrifice. But also Christ died as us, being fully human. He broke the power of sin over us so that we are no longer slaves to our basest desires, but instead, with the power of the Holy Spirit, can overcome. Which leads to the way of the cross. Christ did not live for himself. Equality with God was not something he held tight to. Instead, he humbled himself. A little lower than the angels, the word says. He lived for God and God's love for humanity. All his wonders and miracles. A church of 120 with 72 disciples and 12 apostles. And ultimately his sacrifice. Take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours, Father. Shows the way of sacrificial love. And so we see here that while the cross was meant by the Roman government as an instrument of torture and death, God has used it as the greatest expression of his love. This is a love that sacrifices the self for the sake of those he loves. This is the very heart of God. The very core. By this love, he paid our penalty and freed us from the prison of sin. But we are also called to live this way. I don't mean that we must die all horrible deaths, but that we must love. That we must love even at the expense of ourselves, Because our attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. To carry the cross is not actually the act of crucifixion. That comes later. It is the walk of a condemned man carrying his burden. And our attitude should be the same as that of Christ, as we see in verse 5. Again, in Ephesians, Paul tells them, Be imitators of Christ, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, 
just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. We see this idea coming through again, that the love we have must be a love that is sacrificial. Christ took up his cross by choice. And so we too take up our cross by choice. Christ used the cross as an act of sacrificial love. And so too we must love sacrificially. Christ carried the cross not for himself or his own sake or the promise of his own glory, but he carried it for us and our sake. We too must carry the cross not for ourselves, but for those around us so that they may know the gospel, so that they may know the gospel. It's not enough to grab a soapbox and stand on a street corner and shout over their heads. But it must be lived out in our lives day by day. That is the cross that we take up. He took up his cross out of love for all of us and all of them too. God loves bogans. He does. He loves people that are crass. He loves people that are dodgy. He loves people that commit white-collar crimes. He loves everyone. He loves the people that look really good on the outside and dress nicely and behind closed doors, they're monsters. He loves them. He loves everyone. I know this because if he can love me, he can certainly love anyone. <laughs> he does. We too must love our neighbour in the same way. We must love one another as evidence of discipleship. That is the command that Christ gave his disciples. A new command I give to you. Love one another. By this all will know you are my disciples. And we are even, and this one causes a bit of grinding of teeth um, sometimes, we are even called to love our enemy, to bless those who curse us, to return evil with good. By this, we heap burning coals on their head. Now, I'm going to digress a little bit and explain that, because sometimes I've been told by people they like to do that as a sort of a sense of vindictiveness, you know. I'll get back at you by loving you, and then it will like be burning your head. That's not what it's actually talking about. It's actually a reference to the coals on the altar of God in heaven. And the imagery is borrowed from the book of Isaiah in chapter 6, where Isaiah is in the presence of God and he says to himself, Woe to me! I am a man of unclean lips from a nation of unclean lips. And one of God's angels took a coal from the altar and used it to purify Isaiah's lips. And so he was made holy and worthy to be a prophet. And that is the same attitude that is being expressed here with these coals heaped on their head. It is an act of anointing. Okay. Sometimes you anoint a person's head with oil to refresh them. This is anointing a person's head 
with holy honour, with purity. And yet it burns, it burns and it purges the sin. So loving our enemies anoints them with the power of God to cleanse them and make them holy. How much more so than Isaiah, who kissed a single coal. This is lavish generosity, a heap of coals. And then they will no longer be our enemy or even God's enemy. The cross is a sign of supreme obedience. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ pleads with his Father, take this cup of suffering from me. If there's any way out, let me know. Yet, not my will, but yours, Father. Taking up our cross can seem like a hard thing. And there's a simple answer to that, because it is. It is a hard thing. But praise God, we are not called to do it in our own strength. Some say God never gives us anything we can't handle. But I say that's not true. But we can handle this in his strength. The Spirit empowers us to carry our cross. Our love for God and our love for others inspires us to carry this cross. For Christ's love compels us, we find in 2 Corinthians 5.14. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. So we ought to have the same attitude as Christ. This means not striving for glory, but humbling ourselves. Not for our own sake, but for the sake of those around us. He became nothing. He who had everything. He who sat on the throne of heaven with angels waiting on him hand and foot. Became a baby in a feeding trough. He made himself in the likeness of a man, taking the very nature of a servant. And a servant is simply someone who fades into the background. And that's what he did. He faded into the background of humanity and became just another bloke and yet more. And so God exalted him to the highest place. And now he sits at the Father's right hand, and he has been given the name above every other. Why? Because of his love and his obedience. Let us then love and be obedient in the same way. Let us be compelled by the love of Christ to share that love with others in the same way, putting ourselves to one side for their sake. So that they may not merely hear the gospel, but see it. So they may not merely see the gospel, but know it. It is hard. I won't beat around the bush. It is a hard thing to do. To live out daily. To put our ego to one side. But we have the Holy Spirit who empowers us. So therefore, let us press on and not cease doing good and not to cease displaying love. When Christ came to earth, he left his comfort zone behind. 
He did not see equality with God as something to be grasped, but humbled himself. He set aside his glory. He was already equal with God. And, but he gave that up. He became a little lower than the angels and he entered the suffering zone by choice. He started carrying his cross long before he walked the Via Della Rosa. He was obedient to the Father, even unto death, even death on a cross. Like Christ, we also have nothing to grasp after. Thanks to him, we have already received every spiritual blessing in Christ. We are already seated in heavenly places. We are already redeemed and we are already saved from sin and we are already exempt from judgment. We already have eternal life. We are already citizens of New Jerusalem. We already have it all. We are co-heirs with Christ. Whatever he's got, we've got. We don't need to strive. We don't need to grasp it. It's ours already. So you can unclench your fist and stop your knuckles being pale and relax. We can humble ourselves knowing that we have everything that is worth having already. We are called to imitate Christ, to have the same attitude as him. He did not cling to his role as son of God, but let go of his glory, his power, his prestige to become fully man. He was obedient even to death on a cross for the sake of love. Like Jesus, we must leave the comfort zone and enter the suffering zone. It will be painful. It will be hard. It will be a challenge. We won't get our own way or do the things the way we like. God's timing is different to our own schedules and our own convenience. But as bad as that may be, as much as we might find it distasteful to suffer, we must ask ourselves, how much will my neighbour suffer in hell if I don't suffer now? Do you not love them enough to suffer a little while, to put your convenience to one side? This is the challenge, to take up our crosses and to follow him. The day will come soon enough when you will find rest. There is a garden waiting and we will see his face and have our tears wiped away. And what a glorious day that will be. But today there is work to do. A gospel to preach and souls to pluck from the fire. Pick up your crosses and love until it hurts and then love some more. Not for your own sake. Not for the warm fuzzies or the promise of gratitude and thanks because you might not get any of those. Not for acknowledgement or praise because you may well be ignored. Love when you don't feel like it. There's the cross. Love when you would give anything to have the cup of suffering passed from you. And then say, not my will. Love so that you will rejoice together on that great and wonderful day when he returns. 
You have all eternity to enjoy your life. But such a short time to save lives. Who will burn because you don't feel like loving? Because you hang on to bitterness or live in the past? Be like Christ and let it go. Let it be burnt in the fire of the Holy Spirit and love. For God's glory and salvation and their salvation, please, take up your cross and let's follow him together. Thanks for listening to a Wattle City Church podcast. If you download the Anchor podcast app and type Wattle City Church into the search engine, you can listen to more and great podcasts from Wattle City Church. Thanks.